Hello, and welcome back to another brilliant episode of You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and in today's episode, we're taking you to Harlem in the 60s with our brand new crime fiction pick. Then we explore an eye-opening podcast that takes a long, hard look at biases in healthcare systems. Are you ready to try new things? Then keep listening. To get things going, we have a couple of reviews from you. I love, love, love reading reviews on Audible. It's how we decide if a book is worth listening to after all. So, as per usual, I've done a little snooping around the popular listens list and have picked out my favourite customer reviews. This week, I've chosen The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. First up, we have Lubsy One, who left this soul-stirring five-star review. A poignantly beautiful story and so beautifully narrated and brought to life by Julia Wellen. I cannot stress enough how much I loved listening to this story. It was possessive, obsessive, destructive, passionate and heart-wrenchingly tragic. I couldn't stop listening to this story. This is not a story of good against evil, but a story of temptation and hope when you are at your absolute last grasp of life. It's a lifetime's saga of a choice once made in desperation and the indelible effect it has on a soul. Oh my. Now we have another review from VC Ainge who gave it three stars. Intriguing, unique, but overlong. I read this on the recommendation of someone who loves the author. My immediate impression was it was intriguing and unique. The story had many possibilities and there were lots of clues as to where it could go. I enjoyed the world of Addie's thoughts and hopes, and I felt her emotions with her. However, once I got the idea, the story hook, it then felt drawn out, and I just wanted to know how it ended. If you're looking for something different, then this is a good read. The writing style is mesmerising, and there are some good references to the arts, history and folklore. It just felt very drawn out. Thank you to Lubsy One and VC Ainge for those reviews. If you're on the hunt for a mesmerising philosophical fantasy pick, you can find The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab on Audible today. Each week, we pick out different reviews from Audible to see what you've been loving. Remember to come back next episode as you might find that one of your reviews is featured here. Get ready to be transported back in time to the swinging 60s with this week's new release. For this episode, I've chosen Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead. I've heard nothing but exceptional things about Colson Whitehead, which got me very excited to listen to this book. If you're new to his work, he's probably best known for creating The Underground Railroad, which was adapted into an Amazon Prime video series earlier this year, written and directed by Barry Jenkins. He also received a MacArthur Genius Grant. And let me tell you, it shows when you listen to this book. Harlem Shuffle is the follow-on to his Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Nickel Boys. The book begins in 1959, Harlem, and follows the life of furniture store owner Ray Carney and his wife Elizabeth. 
Early on, we learn that Elizabeth is pregnant with their second child and that Carney is trying to establish himself as an upstanding, honest businessman. However, money is tight and things aren't going well at the store. We're then introduced to Freddie, Carney's cousin who he grew up with and who's always involved in some shady dealings. Freddie occasionally brings goods by to Carney that fell off a truck or have unknown origins, and Carney accepts them but regularly grapples with his identity of being straight and honest. It's not long before Freddie drags Carney into being a fence. That's a person who sells stolen goods for his planned heist of the Hotel Teresa. That goes pear-shaped and the story sees Carney regularly interacting with Harlem's criminals and gangsters. Let's have a listen. Miami Joe operated in New York City for five years after departing his hometown in the wake of an escapade. He found work as a collector for Reggie Green, maiming welshers and shopkeepers who were miserly with protection money. But he tired of such easy game and returned to thieving. At Nightbirds, Freddie had recounted to Carney some of Miami Joe's more recent capers, a trailer full of vacuum cleaners, snatching the payroll of a department store. The flashy, efficient scores were the ones he chose to advertise, alluding to a host of others kept private. Freddie and Miami Joe drank together at the Leopard's Spots, the last to leave, the nights unfinished until the duo had been converted into rye-soaked cockroaches scurrying from sunlight and propriety. Freddie never failed to wake with a fear over what he'd revealed about himself. He hoped Miami Joe was too drunk to remember his stories, but Miami Joe did remember. It was more evidence for his unsentimental study of the human condition. This book is complex and layered. There's a central plot and then several subplots running concurrently, including Connie's marriage, his tension with his in-laws, and Freddie and Connie's dubious family history. It's not one to listen to while concentrating on another task. I regularly found myself skipping back to figure out what the hell was happening. There are lots of characters, most of whom aren't around for very long, but are essential to moving the plot along. I found this a bit challenging, as occasionally folks would reappear and I'd already forgotten what role they had to play to begin with. Don't let this put you off, though. The overarching story is still delightful and easy enough to latch onto without focusing on the side characters too much. I will confess that I made the mistake of listening to this too fast, due to the narration at times being hard to understand. And the narrator, Dion Graham, who I must say is terrific, uses a distinctly old-school New York accent that requires your ears to adjust to, especially if you've been listening to primarily British narrators for a while. The book seamlessly weaves big issues like race, police brutality, and living in poverty into the narrative and plot. For example, while Carney decides what to stock, he references that his customers might spend $10 more with him than face discrimination and poor service at white-owned stores in other parts of Manhattan. Or that police gun down another unarmed black man in the neighbourhood and there are protests in the community. Overall, this was an excellent piece of crime fiction with a great dose of nostalgia. You'll enjoy this if you're into heist stories or movies like Goodfellas or The Lady Killers. I could picture 125th Street in the 50s and get a sense of the grandeur of the hotel and the bars frequented by gangsters. Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead is a vivid and rich story. You can find it on Audible now. Now it's time for our Hidden gem section of the show, where I take a trip to the Audible Doctors and I'm prescribed something very poignant to listen to. 
And that's the Audible original podcast, The Bias Diagnosis. Firstly, wow, what a powerful listen. At first glance, I thought this podcast would be overly academic and not something I would be that interested in. But boy, was I wrong. This podcast consists of five episodes hosted by Ivan Beckley, who at the time of recording was a final year medical student getting ready to become a doctor. Before entering his new profession, he confronts the concerning and pretty disturbing issues the medical system is facing and discusses the racial disparities in healthcare today. Throughout this series, Ivan speaks to researchers, authors, activists and patients to discuss different aspects of health, from cancer to mental health, chronic pain to childbirth, and how Black people and other minorities, mainly in the UK and US, are affected negatively in these medical fields. The show is a hard-hitting listen as it provides you with facts and figures which make you want to shout, why is this still happening today? For example, one of the first things we hear is, in most medical training, symptoms for various illnesses are only described on white people, such as reddened areas and blue lips. This is missed on people with darker skin, which can lead to life-threatening consequences. Unfortunately, not enough people have questioned this, so medical training hasn't changed, which is mind-blowing to me. The accounts from his guests were shocking. A lot of the data used today is systemically racist. For example, some studies have claimed that black people are genetically different to white people. And this idea is still pervasive in healthcare today. It also made me tear up when hearing patients' traumatic experiences with doctors. Such as Colin, who experienced being unnecessarily sectioned and over-medicated. And Avery Smith's wife, who was diagnosed with skin cancer too late. This community doesn't trust that medicine has been developed in their favour. And can you blame them? Avery Smith speaks of the burden felt by people of colour. People who, or specifically my community, the black community, needs to be able to be their own health advocates on an individual level and also you need somebody there because you know when you have the thing you're tired you're just trying to breathe you're not paying attention to like the medicine that you take or the reactions to the medicine or hey, does your skin turn a certain color or and how many other areas could we have been better at that could make us not have gotten to this point <sighs> devastating the podcast really showed us the humans behind the statistics and that these are real people being affected I have to say, it's not all doom and gloom. The podcast is a great place to learn, question and help increase awareness of these inequalities. The patients interviewed are also activists doing amazing work in their communities to fight these issues. For example, medical student Malone McQuende created a handbook called Mind the Gap, which includes images of what certain medical conditions look like on people with darker skin. It's free to download online if you are interested. There are loads of medical terms used throughout this podcast, which at first I thought could be confusing, but Ivan did a great job at explaining the jargon in simple terms so it's easy to follow along. The podcast is brilliantly produced. If you enjoyed Have You Heard George's podcast, you are going to love this one. The research was so well done and I feel like I came away learning so much from the academics. There are incredible soundscapes and effects used in this series, from hospital waiting rooms, footsteps on the ward and the beeping of life-saving machines. It made it all so visceral. 
I really thought I was there too. So that's the Audible original podcast, The Bias Diagnosis. You can find it on the Audible app today. Next up are two fabulous guests who want to recommend a listen that will spice up your week. First up is Audible's very own Robin Morgan Bentley. Hi, Robin. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Emil. Can you briefly remind us what you do at Audible? Yes. So I work on the content team at Audible, looking at kind of all things to do with content strategy. Nice. Sounds really important and hard. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us what you've chosen for us today? Yeah, so I chose a podcast this time around. I think, nice. I think every other time I've done this, it's been an audiobook. So I'm going to pick a podcast this time. And this one is called Finding Q, My Journey into QAnon. Ooh, what made you pick this? So it's one of those things where I really should know more about this. And um, I think that's what podcasts can be great for, is kind of deep diving into something that you're vaguely familiar with that you think you should know more about. So that's what attracted me to this. I've kind of heard little sort of rumours here and there about what QAnon is. And listening to this, I feel like I'm really, uh, I'm more knowledgeable about it and, and feel like it's a super interesting topic I can actually like have a discussion about now. Yeah, nice. I agree, actually. I thought I knew what QAnon was. And this has been quite eye-opening that it's actually the origins of it. It's quite different. What did you love about the podcast and what got you hooked in and kept you listening? Yeah, so I really loved the journalist behind this podcast, Nikki Wolf. And that, for me, is is so important. I think when you're listening to a, a podcast, maybe particularly a kind of investive podcast or a true crime podcast or something like that, you're spending a lot of time often listening to one person's voice. And so you have to really kind of trust the person and also find them entertaining. So the first thing for me on this podcast was... It was a big yes to all of these. Firstly, I felt like he had the credentials as a journalist and as an investigative journalist to be telling the story. But also there was something really entertaining and different about the way he was delivering it. It's a really serious topic. There's a lot of stuff in there about politics, mental health. But he still manages to deliver it in quite a kind of fun way. So even though we were listening to all these kind of grim things about people, you know, really going down rabbit holes and with, you know, quite dark intentions. It was quite funny, which I thought was pretty interesting. I guess he does that really nice podcast thing quite well of this, like reflecting on everything he's learning and taking you on that journey. So you you feel like you're right there with him. And I feel like he struck the right balance between telling you the basics, but not patronising you as the listener. I thought that worked really well. Yeah, I agree. It was a perfect balance of that. I would love to know about any standout moments in the podcast for you. Was there anything that was kind of like shocking or just so different or wild? Yeah, I mean, there were there was lots. And each episode, you're like, whoa, this is another really interesting character he's interviewing. Like, there's a lot of very, very eccentric characters in this podcast and people that he interviews. And the first episode, he, he kind of opens with an interview with a woman in the US who admits that she kind of has really got down the rabbit hole of QAnon and you kind of get the impression she's kind of seeing things from a different perspective now but you hear some footage of her in a Target store in the US and is knocking over all the masks in this particular shop and talking about it all being a conspiracy and how she has links to the government and how you know she's gonna broadcast this to everyone and and it's kind of a real kind of shocking way to start the podcast and this woman talks about how it's affected her family as well and um, it was interesting for me to you think of a kind of a cult or a conspiracy theory as kind of a big phenomenon that's affecting loads and loads of people 
but to start with an individual story and how it's affecting one woman mm -hmm. and her family's life was uh, quite poignant, I think. Yeah, let's go to a clip of that. Melissa is a high-flying PR executive, but lately things haven't been going so well. She's spending as much as 20 hours a day online. I just felt so much rage and anger towards everything that had happened. You know, everything in my life piled up on that day, you know, watching my life just in shambles. And here I was in a hotel room, you know, on the 4th of July on my favorite holiday. Back in Target, Melissa starts pulling things off shelves and tipping racks onto the floor. People ask me if I remember that, you know, or if I even can listen to it or watch those videos now. And it's incredibly difficult because I just it was a complete blackout. And the things that I was saying and and what I was doing, I mean, it, and how aggressive I was, it was just so outside of my character. Thing is, this isn't just a story about one woman's crisis. Melissa's a tiny part of something enormous. That is a really extreme thing. That happened. And actually watching that unfold on the news in general, I think, was quite shocking and quite terrifying. And the fact that it's still an ongoing thing, especially now that it's really evolved into the big anti-vax movement. And I think that's what Nicky Wolf does so well is that he's building that story of like, this isn't just this fringe group anymore. This is like people, a group of people, a hive of people with tremendous amounts of influence and that can shape and change society as we know it. I do want to touch on the, the sound design of this podcast because the production of it is actually very, very pretty. It has a beautiful musical score. There's some really intense archive footage that he's managed to get together. There's like voice actors that come in to kind of read out some of these posts on 4chan. And do you think that really added to the podcast? Did it elevate the podcast for you? Definitely. I think that the podcast landscape has changed, right? And people expect more. I think it's about striking a balance, though, because I've definitely listened to some podcasts where I felt like they've been overproduced or there's been too much sound design or too much music. And actually what I want, you know, it kind of gets in the way of the story. And I think Finding Q, they get the right balance there. I love what they do with voice actors to simulate this mysterious Q. And the music is great as well. It feels like the right amount. It's not overdone, um, which I think is important. Yeah, agreed. Lovely. Thanks, Robin. Thank you. Finding Q, My Journey into QAnon by Nikki Wolf was Robin's pick this week. You can find it on Audible. And looking to top that with their pick is special guest, author and sustainability activist, Aja Barber. Hi, Aja. Welcome to the podcast. Can you briefly tell us who you are and what you do? My name is Aja Barber. I am the author of the book Consumed, which is out now. I write about sustainable fashion with an intersectional lens focusing on race and feminism and sustainability because we're in climate emergency, so it's very important. And I run a Patreon and microblog on Instagram daily. Could you tell us what book you've chosen for us today? Who's it by? What's it about? Tell me everything. So... I chose Animal Farm by George Orwell. And Animal Farm is one of those books that I have read on my own as an adult. I think if I had to read it in school, it would have ruined it for me mm -hmm. because my schooling ruined everything for me. So, <laughs> so as an adult, I went through this time period where I was like, I should probably read some of these classics. And you know what? That was one of the best decision making because I just apply so much of these books to like the work that I do in this weird way. And so because I knew that I'd always struggle with some of these classics, especially within the school system, I always would get them on audiobook. 
And what I found was if you get the classics on an audiobook, they are read to you by actors. Yeah. And I was <laughs> blown away because you can really visualize how some of this is playing out. Mm. And it actually is a strangely accessible book. We always think that like everything that's considered like a great is not an accessible book. It's incredibly accessible. And I think the reason I chose it today is because I look at microcosms and worlds that I'm in. And often I do see animal farm playing out. (laughs) Social media is a really, really brilliant example of that. Yeah, because you chose it. This is the first time I've actually read it. I've heard so much about it. I have read 1984, which is the other Orwell classic. Yes. So Animal Farm is a novel about a group of animals who take control of the farm they live on and is an interpretation of the Russian Revolution, apparently. And I always thought, like, much like you, like the classics in school, just like, oh, it's by force. So whenever anything is forced, you just won't enjoy it as much. When you're getting a grade on it, you don't enjoy it as much. That's really it. And I found that actually... Like you said, it's very accessible. It's quite short. Mm -hmm. But who do you think is going to enjoy this? Because I I imagine quite a lot of people would have read Animal Farm, like you said, in school and probably not enjoyed it or not paid attention. So should they go back? But who do you think would enjoy reading this book now? I think any adult who's ever worked in a toxic workplace would enjoy Animal Farm. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I think any person who considers himself someone who follows politics, Mm -hmm. should read Animal Farm. Yeah, exactly. Was there a standout moment for you in the book? One that kind of really kind of stopped you in your tracks? Yeah, so I know that this is supposed to be spoiler free, but there's definitely a moment where a character who I loved because I identify with this character is betrayed. And that actually, that, that was more shocking to me than some of the more written about shocking moments. You know, Mm -hmm. there's betrayal that happens and I'm a very, very loyal person. And so even when I feel personally betrayed, I feel really hurt by it. Mm -hmm. I find betrayal deeply painful. Yeah. Understandable. Your loyalty is misplaced. If you could be any of the characters in Animal Farm, who would you be? So, On a good day, I feel like I'm Clover or Muriel. So Muriel, I think, is a wise goat who can read. Clover can put the letters together, but Clover can't read. And Clover definitely can sense that there's weird stuff going on on the farm. She's got that intuition. And I have that as well in many ways, which is why I feel so distraught when I don't listen to it. But on my worst days, when I look at social media spaces and I look at the conversations I'm having and I notice that there are people with like privileges and power that aren't sitting out anything and are never sticking their neck online. That is when I feel like Boxer Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. I would love to hear a clip from a moment with Boxer. They met with many difficulties. For instance, later in the year, when they harvested the corn, they had to tread it out in the ancient style. But the pigs, with their cleverness, and Boxer, with his tremendous muscles, always pulled them through. Boxer was the admiration of everybody. He had been a hard worker even in Jones's time, but now he seemed more like three horses than one. There were days when the entire work of the farm seemed to rest on his mighty shoulders. He had made an arrangement with one of the cockerels to call him in the mornings half an hour earlier than anyone else, and would put in some volunteer labour at whatever seemed to be most needed before the regular day's work began. 
His answer to every problem, every setback, was, I will work harder, which he had adopted as his personal motto. I would love to hear some more about your new book, Consumed, which I don't think contains as many farm animals. No, I don't have animals in it, (laughs) but Consumed is slightly autobiographical and it talks about my journey to coming to terms with all of these topics. It talks about how I started to realize that like things were not okay in the fashion world as someone who wanted to be like a grade A participant in fashion and did participate in fast fashion. I talk about how I began to understand that actually I don't wanna participate in this way because this is bad. And not only is it bad, it's killing people. And not only is it killing people, it's killing the planet. But I actually talk about them in very, very layman's terms, because I think for so long, this conversation has had a real high barrier for entry. And when that happens, people don't get involved at all. They change nothing. And I wanted to make something that was accessible when talking about sustainable fashion and what an equitable fashion landscape would look like. Amazing. Sounds great. I have it and I can't wait to read it. And finally, Animal Farm is a book that has inspired a lot of iconic work. For example, Pink Floyd's album Animals. Has the book inspired you and your work? Yeah, it tells me who to look out for in social media spaces, (laughs) that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You can apply these themes to any sort of workplace, especially if it's particularly toxic. Mm -hmm. So I reference Animal Farm in my head quite a lot. And I'll reference it to my friends and sometimes they'll be like, oh, you know, so they'll either get it immediately or they don't. And then I'm like, you should read it on audiobook. It will change your life. Thank you so much, Aja. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for having me. Animal Farm by George Orwell was Aja's pick this week. You can find it on Audible along with her debut book, Consumed. <laughs> Now we've come to the part of the show where we get to hear from the creme de la creme podcast that is Audible Sessions, where Audible invites some of your favourite authors to talk about their new releases. And this week, I've chosen a clip from Fern Cotton's newest Audible session. Fern Cotton is a well-known English television and radio presenter and began her own podcast in 2018 titled Happy Place, following the success of her best-selling book, Happy. Fern talks to Holly Newson about embracing our full selves, finding your voice and speaking out with confidence. Let's have a listen. So about this time last year, so the beginning of 2020, I was having real like throat problems and, and I was obviously doing a lot of voiceover work and radio and the podcast and my voice was just, I couldn't clear it. It was so croaky and kept crackling and it'd get quite sore. And I thought, God, I'm just so run down, but I'm going to go and get it checked out because I had a ton of voice work. So I saw a throat specialist and I had a massive cyst on my vocal cords. And I was like, this is so curious. Like, why is that there? Why haven't I got an ailment elsewhere? Why is it this part of my physical body that's, you know, really crying out for help. And I was in a cab on the way home from the hospital and the idea for this book just literally landed in my head, like, I need to explore this subject matter. Wow, I actually had no idea she was having so many issues with her throat and her voice, which must have been so terrifying because so much of her work is her voice um, and she has such a distinct voice. So that's 
terrifying. But I'm glad that actually she was able to take something really positive away from it and was able to be inspired to write her new book. You can get more from Fern Cotton by downloading her full Audible session for free on the Audible website, where you can also find her latest book, Speak Your Truth. And finally, it's time for our Listener's Corner, which means I get to hear from one of you about a book, podcast or drama you are loving. Are you ready for a trip to the theatre? If so, you are in for a treat with this week's recommendation from Max. Let's hear what he's picked. My name is Max Harper, and I'd like to recommend Tennessee Williams' Streetcar Named Desire. Having watched the film, seen the play, and studied the book, it's fair to say I'm already a converted fan of Streetcar Named Desire. It offers a fantastic window into 1940s New Orleans and showcases the somewhat sad but enlightening roles that relationships, family, and class had to play in society at the time. The play highlights deep-rooted themes of physicality, dependence and delusion, encouraging the observer to feel both empathy and resentment often at the same time. The audiobook provides an opportunity to listen to a classic whenever you fancy and enjoy both a gripping plotline and waves of emotion. Thank you, Max. What a brilliant choice. As a thank you, we're sending you two credits to download anything you like from the Audible website or app. You can find Max's recommendation, A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams on Audible now. And for your chance to win some credits, why not send us a review too? Just send us a short message telling us about your favourite listen and you might get featured here. Record a voice note on your phone or send us your thoughts and I'll read them out. Email your reviews or voice notes to us at yhihf at audible.co.uk or tweet us at yhihfpod. But don't forget, keep your reviews spoiler free. And sadly, that's all for this week's You Heard It Here First. In case you missed any of the titles we recommended today, here they are again. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead. Audible original podcast, The Bias Diagnosis. Finding Q, My Journey into QAnon by Nikki Wolf. Animal Farm by George Orwell. Consumed by Aja Barber. Fern Cotton's Audible Session. A Streetcar Named Desire by Tennessee Williams. Remember to catch up with us in between shows on social media. Let us know what you've been listening to and tag at YHIHFpod on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're there, give us a follow too. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan. Additional voices by Lazara Morgan and Richard Hodson. And featuring Robin Morgan Bentley and Aja Barber. It was produced by Amber Miller and Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan. And the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto. Pinto. 